or either you're the faithful ones, or you just didn't have any place to go for this three-day weekend. Huh? Yeah, I want to thank many of you that were involved in the, the service for Bill Har a couple of Saturdays ago, and just want to let you know that yesterday we had another service for Bill Har in Northern California, and God bless that. It was probably a little bit more personal because it involved a lot of family, a lot of old-time friends because that's Gene's old home church. So um, it was very good. So thank you for supporting the family in the many ways you have. Uh, I want to encourage you right now to take out of your program your connection card. And this is something for uh, we'd ask that everyone fill out. And especially if you're a first-time visitor, second-time visitor, we'd love to hear from you. There are ways on the back you can connect with us. And we really do pray for those who, who fill out these cards. You know, uh, we, we read these cards and in our prayer time. And, you know, sometimes our heart really cries because some of the things that are shared with us on this prayer card. And, um, you know, and sometimes I, 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 I don't know whether to approach a person or not when I, when I read something on the prayer card. I, I just feel like reaching out a, and ministering to me and just reaching out and hugging them sometimes. So, um, but realize we do pray for you. We pray the Lord will just bless you and, and, and meet you where you're at when you share things on this prayer card, okay? But uh, please fill that out. Leave it on your, your pew when you leave. Uh, just as you're doing that, I'll just remind you of some things. We have the Young Marriage Fellowship today at 2 p.m., and that's at Taishi's and Jessica's uh, house. And um, is there an address here? I guess you have to talk to Pastor Corey or them. Or, yeah, Okay, so, so Pastor Corey's up front here. He'll, he'll help you if you'd like to attend for the Young Marriage Fellowship. Also, um, further on down, as you're looking ahead, we have the Upper Room uh, Men's Bible Study this coming Saturday. There's the Upper Room uh, Men's Bible Study, which is kind of off Saturday simply because of the, the service uh, the yesterday up north. But uh, that Bible study will go on this Saturday, uh, Orange Family Time. So th things you can read about uh, uh, in, in your leisure. Let's pray. Father, as we continue our study in the book of Mark, Father, we, uh, we just thank you for, for how you and your wisdom have uh, inspired these writers. You just breathed this truth into them, and then they, re re they recorded it, and it is for us here today. Father, you knew how our society would be uh, today. You knew how our hearts would be today. And so, Father, I pray that you'll speak to us and that, the, that what you speak to us be very personal, for you know us as your children. In Jesus' name, amen. I hate getting lost. Um, I, I've recently, I've had to go to the places I've never been to. Like um, um, this past Thursday, I did a... Uh, a funeral in a, at a cemetery in Santa Monica I'd never been to, and I'm just kind of, you know, it's during rush hour. It took me two and a half hours to get there. It was just crazy. But I, I really kind of hate MapQuest and Google Map. Uh, I've gotten lost so many times using those guys. Uh, I carry a, a, a old, tattered Thomas Brothers map book in my car. 
I have one for the, for the Inland Empire, and I have one for LA and Orange County. And I have it there, and they're super old, but I keep it there, and they're like my lifeline. My, they're like my security blanket. If I get lost, I'll pull those things out, and I'll try to look at that little, those little words in there and try to figure out where I'm at. But, you know, getting lost is one of these things that, that we all face at different times. And when I thought about it, there's, there's two ways that we can get lost. And uh, it's not going to be on the screen, so I know this is in, the, in your handout. There are two different ways. One, we can become lost by going the wrong way. And that's what I've been talking about, just going the wrong way. And I'm going the wrong way because someone told me to go the wrong way. And, uh, and we've always been there. And uh, ladies, you probably are screaming at your husband sometimes, come on, pull over and ask where we're at. You know, and oh, I know where we're at. And we keep on going, whatever. The, but the second way, the second way to become lost is by believing false information. We believe false things. And um, I, I read about this a little bit. We're just, just last week in a journal uh, in, in Australia, some researchers did, uh, just took on this subject of false information because there's so many things going on around in the world about, you know, there's always so, there's so much information always flying through the air. And, uh, and in the United States with our political situation, you know, our political, our presidential election, all this stuff coming out. And so this, this report said that we as human beings generally are more open to believe information, even though it's false. We, we don't know it's false, but we're, we're willing to receive things, even though it's not proven. And the reason why is that it takes less brain power to simply accept and believe something than actually look into it and, and decide whether it true, is true or false. So a lot of times we receive things and we believe things, and some of those things actually become a part of our life. This, take, for example, what, and I'm just picking on him. What if I said, Pastor Corey is an addict? He's an addict. He's addicted to gummy bears. Now, you may think, hmm, well, I guess so. Because why? Because if, you, if, if you, he's not an addict to gummy bears, you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to walk around and watch him. Every time Pastor Corey's chewing something, you're going to question What's he chewing? Every time Pastor Corey puts his hand in his pocket, you're going to go, aha. You know? It's just tiresome. It's, it's too much thinking, too much brain power. Well, you know, when we talk about believing information that sometimes is false, that's what happens so many times when we talk about Christianity. There's a lot of false stuff floating out there in the world. There's a lot of false stuff about God. There's a lot of false stuff about the Bible. There's a lot of false stuff about who we are as believers in Jesus Christ. King Solomon wrote, There is nothing new under the sun, and that is so true. Whether it be in the time of Jesus or whether it be here in the 21st century, there are false beliefs all around us. And we Christians have to kind of understand that that's there, and we kind of have to be willing to help people understand what is false and what is not. But also understand that God, that God knows all this, and he has sent the helper. Look at John 14, 16. John 14, 16, Jesus said these words. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper 
that he may be with you forever. Then in that same chapter, Jesus said in verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Well, this morning, we're going to kind of zero in on the Holy Spirit because that's, he's, he's, he's brought up in an indirect way in our text in, in Mark 3. Now realize here we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We have the Trinity, right? Three persons, one God. Okay? One God, three persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one that the Bible says resides. He actually lives in every believer. If you have accepted Christ into your life as your Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit resides in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So that's cool. And you know why that's so cool? Because he's the helper. And he's there by God to help us understand stuff that, that otherwise we wouldn't understand. He's the helper to help guide us and to lead us and direct us. That's why Paul said, never quench the Holy Spirit. Never, never kind of, when you get these urgings, you got that inner thing to, to pick up that phone and call that person and stuff. If it's for good, don't quench it. Just follow through. And let the Lord use you. But a lot of times we quench it. Nah, I don't want to do that. I got so much. I got, I got my favorite TV programs on right now. You know, whatever it might be. Paul says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Well, let's get into a particular story today. That is a very short text. But we're going to deal with this because it deals with the Holy Spirit reveals truth to us. So let's look at Mark chapter 3. Hope you guys are reading ahead, but if you're not, you can be here anyway. Mark chapter 3, we're just going to look at verses 1 through 5. And actually, it's a continuation of, a, of actually a situation that, that, uh, that is written about in Mark chapter 2. But look, let's look at Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Another time he, and that's just Jesus, another time he went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked him, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill life? but they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. For us to understand the background of this, understand that out of the writings of Moses, who is considered by Israel the Moses the lawgiver, out of all the writings of Moses, who was a lawgiver, God spoke to Israel to give them the law, that the scribes and religious leaders, as the generations went on, created over 200 different life regulations to live by. Think about it. Moses, it's, like you, like it's, it's almost like you got this little lump of dough, and you put yeast in it, and bah, it's just this big old giant thing that can't fit in your oven. Well, that's what happened with the law. Moses gave God's law, 
and the Jewish leadership tacked onto this law, their interpretation that made all these rules and regulations, things that had to do about, about ceremonial this and spiritual cleansing of that and defilement of this and, and the requirement of, of giving money and giving animal sacrifices and all these different things. What is the heart of the Sabbath? What is the heart of the Sabbath? And that's really the challenge Jesus had for them. What is the heart of the Sabbath? To benefit man. It was never intended to be a bondage. It was never intended to, to forbid necessary work. It was never intended to, to, to stop deeds of mercy. In Mark 3.27, Jesus said these words, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. You get that? God is saying, you know what? I want to give you the Sabbath for you to bless you. But the law was so restrictive. The law was so burdensome. They said to even grab a, a, a grain and to rub between your fingers this grain and, and to work the husk off of it is work. And it is a sin. Crazy, right? That's just crazy. But let's get to 21st century Christianity. Who's the Sabbath for? The Sabbath is for Israel. It's really not for us. We kind of throw the term around the Sabbath quite loosely. But really the Sabbath refers to the last day of the week. You know, if you know Spanish, what's Saturday for in Spanish? Sabado, okay? Sabbath, that's where it comes from. The last day of the week. We Christians, we are here on Sunday because Christian is the day of the Lord. It's the day that our Lord rose from the dead. It's the day that our Lord showed himself to his believers. Sunday, the first day of the week, is our special day. And it's not a legal thing. It is not a legal do this, don't do that day. It's a day of privilege. Our Sunday is, is a day to tend to our souls. Sunday is our day to focus on our spiritual life with God. See, Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit, revealed this truth. He just kind of shot down the false teachings of the leaders of that time. And when I say the spirit of truth, it's the Holy Spirit of truth. It's the Holy Spirit of truth because God wants us to live and breathe and live by the truth. Now, I'm going to share. I thought to myself, well, let's talk about some truths. Let's talk about some falsehoods today. I'm going to bring to you three falsehoods right now, three false teachings that, um, that I've seen thrown around, and they deal with our society today. And let's just... I'll bring up some text about it, and we'll just talk briefly about it because we just got to zip through some of these things. Number one, God is loving and opposes capital punishment. See, a lot of people think, hey, God is love. How can a God of love have anything good to say or have any kind of backing of capital punishment? Well, the answer to this is yes, he is love. Yes, he is loving. And no he doesn't oppose capital punishment. Let me read from you out of Genesis 9-6. Now, this is where it gets kind of complicated because some of the things of the Old Testament carry through all the way, through all eternity. But some of the things of the Old Testament were strictly for Israel. 
But let's read Genesis 9-6, referring to God's, God's truth in regards to man and how precious life is. Genesis 9-6, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made man. But it's the same. Basically, life is precious. Life is precious. You know, there's so many times I'll, I'll go to a hospital and I'll visit with someone and, and they, are, they are in such tough struggles and, and, and they want to almost give up. And I say, no, don't give up because life is precious. So hang in there and you fight to your last breath because life is precious. See, God looks at life as precious and we should too. And one of the parts of our preciousness to God is that he created us in his image. And God knows mankind. There's nothing new under the sun, like I said. And one of the great deterrents of mankind killing each other is capital punishment. And that if there is life to be taken, it isn't a man taking it, it is under, and we read it later on, it's under the authorities, the government authorities that God has established. He has entrusted to them the power of capital punishment. Matter of fact, it's interesting, we see it even in the New Testament. We see how the Jews wanted to put, wanted to put um, uh, uh, Jesus to death. Right? But they couldn't. They had to go to the authorities. They had to go to Rome. They had to go to the Romans. Romans, hey, we want this guy dead. You know? And, and the Romans said, oh, who is he? And, and it was just a crazy thing like that. But the authorities got established on earth. He gives them that power of capital punishment. Let's go on. There's others. Look at number two. I've seen this on signs on Colorado Boulevard during like, like the road parade and stuff. God hates homosexuals. Now, he doesn't. You know what God hates? God hates sin. God hates sin. He hates when we lie. He, he hates a lying tongue. God hates a fornicating society, adulterous people. He hates when that goes on. And let me read what it says in Romans 1, where it talks about God's anger. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. Therefore, God gave them over to their sexual desires of their hearts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. God hates sin. You know, we all have to deal with sin. We all have our temptations. How do you deal with that inner temptation, that inner compass that tells you to do something you shouldn't do? See, that's what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with the topic of sin. Now, I understand that this topic is a really a tough one because, man, look at our society. Look at the way our laws are going. Look at your TV programs. It is all around us. It is so complicated, and I don't know where it's going but realize there's nothing new under the sun. You know, the whole Roman Empire was getting, was getting crazy with homosexuality before its fall. I mean, I just don't know where this is all going. But, hey, we as believers cannot abandon what we know is true because of our changing society. Please understand that. 
If you are going to be what we call a light in the darkness, you cannot shift around and flutter around with how society says this is right or this is just or this is unfair. Please understand that. That is the difference between the lightness and the darkness. Number three, the Bible says nothing about drinking and smoking marijuana. I gotta, I'm sorry guys. Yes, it does. It does. Whether you want to hear this or not, you can cover your ears. Here it comes. Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk. That means influenced on wine, which leads to debauchery. What is debauchery? Debauchery is a corrupt, depraved lifestyle. Instead, be filled or be influenced with the Spirit. Now, I kind of make fun of this because I, I know a lot of people that ask me this question. Um, does, does this mean that a Christian is allowed to drink wine, is allowed to have some champagne at a wedding, is allowed to pop open a Corona or have a good scotch? <laughs> is that possible? Yes, it is. But, but, Keep this in mind. The intake, the consumption, the inhaling of anything becomes abuse under the following circumstances. And I'm going to go through five. Number one, when it leads to excess. When it leads to excess. And you know what that means. You can get the, the, the scripture verse. Is it up there? Yeah. Oh, that's the wrong one. The scripture verse should be Proverbs 23, 29 to 35. Proverbs 23, 29 to 35. Number two, when it becomes habit forming. 1 Corinthians 6, 12. Let's see, are we, are we moving along here? Let's see. You see it, Andrew? No, 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 no. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, you actually put the text on there? Okay, 1 Corinthians 6, 12b. I'm not even going to stop to read that because we've got to keep on going. Okay, when it offends the weak conscience of another believer. When it hurts a Christian's testimony to those around him or her. When there is any doubt in your mind about it. Ooh, that's the, that's the big catcher all, right? When there's any doubt in your mind about it. See, that's, that's part of the Holy Spirit's leading in your life. That's part of why Paul says, don't stop it, man. Realize that from within you, the Holy Spirit is going to nudge you and prod you and put the brakes on you and say, stop! Or, or hey, what are you doing? And, and we can just keep on going if we want. Because he can't twist your arm about it. But that's the difference between walking in the spirit or living in the flesh. That's the difference. So anyway, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. And the Holy Spirit wants to reveal that truth to us. Okay? 
Now, I don't want you guys going home and stopping by a 7-Eleven and uh, <laughs> buying some stuff you haven't bought in five years or something like that. Uh, but I do want to be very truthful about the word. The word is very clear. But when you, when you line that all up in your life, you can understand if a person follows by that, they're going to be walking a very clear, good line in their life. And it takes away the whole idea of, I'm going to do it because it feels good to me. No. The Christian life is, I'm going to do it because I'm God's child. There's a big difference there. Let's go on. Let's talk about the spirit of brotherhood because we go on the same chapter and we see toward the latter part of this chapter, here Jesus has this encounter. Look at verses 31 to 35. It's when Jesus, then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him and they told him, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers, he said. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. I think the... Um, the video by Campus Crusade for Christ did it, probably one of the best uh, versions of this text. They put it on screen and they acted it out. And here Jesus in this big group and he's informed that his mother and his brothers are outside. And he looks at the crowd and he says, who are my mother, brother, mother and brothers? And he looks at them. And then after he uses that as a teaching moment, he goes out and meets with them. So he's not shunning. He's not turning his back on his mother and his family. But he's using it as a teaching moment to explain that we, as believers in Jesus Christ, we have a lot in common. We are part of a family. We are part of a brotherhood. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul wrote, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. All are the work of one and the same Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, because you have the Holy Spirit, and you have the Holy Spirit, and I have the Holy Spirit, hey, we got a lot in common. we got the Spirit of God in common. That's a big deal. See, Jesus took great pleasure in being with believers. Think about it. Here's Jesus standing among these people who are new believers. They had hearts to serve God, just like he did. They wanted more of God, which I'm sure pleased Jesus in an incredible way. And they were committed to living for God, which gave them a, a common purpose. See, that's how we're supposed to be. As Christians, that's how our hearts are supposed to be. That's how our lives are supposed to line up. And, so, and to have all those things in common, wow, that is a wonderful thing. That kind of goes beyond a lot of other stuff. 
See, at first it's hard to get to know one another, isn't it? Because we have so much that's different. But I want you to realize that God intended for you, if you are his child, God intended for you to have spiritual fellowship, to have that connection with one another. In Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You ever sharpen um, a knife or an axe? You know how you have to, you have to, you know what you're actually doing? You're, you're actually taking away some of the metal. As you sharpen, you're making that fine edge. You're taking away some of the metal. See, that's how we are with one another. As we meet with one another, I'll be honest, it's a little different meeting with a bunch of Christians than with a bunch of guys I, I knew in high school. It's different meeting with a bunch of Christians than with my family because my family's not Christian. Right? When I meet with my extended family, and a lot of them don't know the Lord, and I'm going to be doing that this week. I got a couple of family funerals. It's different than meeting with you because you understand some of the more core values in my life, and they don't. And sometimes we get so much more accustomed to those people that in the church it's kind of tougher. We don't, it doesn't flow as well. But don't worry about it. Kind of force yourself to do it. Why? Because God intended you to have that fellowship with one another. He intended you to, to sharpen one another. He intended you to, to, to be that, 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 that grinding stone to one another, to just rough off the, the, the rough edges. Sometimes you may speak differently with your friends outside of church than you are when you're in church. But I'll tell you, the more you're with the people in church, the better your language is going to be out of church. See, that's how, you're gonna, how you get kind of reformed and, remold, and remolded. Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, if you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. You know, this whole idea of, 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 of lifting up and seeing the importance of having that Christian brotherhood around you uh, when I was in Brazil, when my wife and I went to Brazil, and we, in our first eight months, we, had a, we were in language school. And in this language school, we had all these other missionaries. And it just so happened that all the other missionaries who were new, coming to the field for the first time, just like us, they were all from Europe. They were all from Switzerland, Germany, and the UK. Man, they didn't even know what a burrito was. You know, one day, one day we were talking about cravings, and I said, man, I could really go for a good burrito. What? What's that? <laughs> I mean, that's how much in common we had. They, they all spoke more than one language. They all had lived outside of their countries and traveled worldwide. And here's little me, you know, and I'm thinking, wow, I don't have anything in common with these folks. But... As we studied together, as we ate all our meals together, as we, as, as we spent time with one another, our newness overshadowed the things we didn't have in common. And see, that's what you've got to grab hold of, is that 
that we are all new creations in Christ. And our newness has to, be a, has to be a powerful draw for us to be together and understand the importance of being together. Our newness in Christ. Because it is so easy to fall back into the oldness if you don't have that contact with the newness. And we want to keep moving forward. So what does that mean? When you have lunch, you get up out of your table sometimes and you go sit with someone else. You invite someone to your table. Come on, sit over here. Who are you? <laughs> it's okay. Do that. Kind of get to know one another. I know that's sometimes tough, but God knows it's tough and there's nothing new under the sun and he intends it for blessing for you. Let's pray. Father, as we think about the, the working of the Holy Spirit, the truth of the Holy Spirit, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, Father, let us live in the Spirit and not the flesh. Help us to go forward practically and lovingly and with our eyes open as you want us to move forward and grow. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I invite you guys to stand for the closing song.